Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Better Left Podcast. This is Jay. If you're liking what you're hearing, don't forget to give us a rating of five stars. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button too so you can stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks a lot. The Better Left Podcast may use language that's not suitable for all Iowa Democratic Party chairs. And also, change your name, dude. There's only room for one fuck up Troy in this world. (laughs) And I lay claim to that. Everybody, welcome to the Better Left Podcast. Uh, my name's Troy. I'm the host, and I'm hanging out with Jay. Hey, let out of the editing dungeon yet again. I, I know. Think, I think we might need to retire that shtick. No, I'm not. I'm going to say it on every single episode, just the same way we say one other thing. And in unison, we can say this together. Bill, Bill is, is lactose, lactose intolerant. intolerant. Yeah, uh-huh. We, we, thank we you, miss thank you, you, Bill, you. but we don't miss you, Bill. That wasn't even practice. That's remarkable. <laughs> no, it really me. wasn't. No, that's just this is how we do. This is the natural thing. So it's just you and me, dude. Um, yeah. Sarah's off saving the world. Yep. Um, and you're here and I'm here. And uh, we're cool kids. It's the cool kids. Just, yeah, two dudes being cool. Yep. In a basement. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think you're lying, though. I am lying because we've got we've got some very, very special guests, but I am pleased to introduce you to the brand new. Yes. The newly minted. Yes. The, uh, the newly uh, imported. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Corn. Hey. Hey. hey, I'm back. Back bitches. from Iowa. And you brought a friend. I did. Yes. A, a podcast pal, if you will. Yes, a podcast pal and fellow uh, food. Uh, he is a fellow food. Yes. He, yeah. yeah, yeah. In addition to be a fellow yes. food, he is also, what was it, beautiful boys for Bernie or? Uh, hot boy for Bernie. Hashtag yeah. Yeah. wearing man panties on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Crouton. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing here. I just was responding to a Craigslist, Craigslist ad. Hi. Hi. This is very confusing, but uh, thank you for having me on. That's that's how I got him to come to Iowa, too. He just responded to a Craigslist (laughs) ad and lived in my basement. Uh, Misconnections. An unheated basement (laughs) in frozen Iowa on a leather couch. You two have been on an epic adventure, saving the world, saving the president Mm -hmm. of the United States, the future president. Harrison Ford. Oh. Tell me about oh. <laughs> Stephen Seagal. Today is our Independence Day. Wait, no, that's no, Bill Pullman. Different. Yeah, Bill Pullman. Um, talk to me about the whole thing. So, Corn, we were gutted, of course, when you went to go save the world. We were incredibly supportive and so proud. And watching every move that you I mean, we in addition talked like every hour on the yes, hour. Yes, while did. you're yeah. yeah. So, walk me through the adventure, and then Mark, when he gets in there, you know, kind of explain what he did and why he was posing with his panties, and then. We'll, <laughs> Yeah, was that at my house or no? No, no, Okay, no, thank no, you. No. That makes me feel a lot better. It was too cold there and I didn't want to look shriveled. It was, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so I have been in Iowa for the past two months, right. guys. Like, wow. I can't believe it was two months. It honestly flew by. It really yeah. did, but you were rocking it. Now, what were you doing very specifically? You were hired. 
I was hired. Um, I was recruited by the campaign. What? And uh, so I got sent out to where our team, we called it hard mode of Iowa because we were in the biggest region in Iowa. It's like 200 miles wide um, and the most conservative. Wow. Um, so the uh, region that I was in, it's uh, District 4, and that is where Steve King is a congressman. So, so not the author, but the No, not Stephen King. Yeah. Uh, his uh, evil twin brother. He, Maybe it, he should write a book about that. I don't know. I mean, I don't right, know. yeah. But uh, yeah, no, Steve King, he's the worst. Um, and so Washington Post has said that he is like the most openly affiliated with white nationalism in Congress. Um, he displays Jeez. a cater- f- Confederate flag on his desk. Um, You're kidding me. No, yeah. He says shitty things about Jewish people, black people, Latinos, Muslims, um, connected to European far right groups. Um, and one thing that he said, a lot of the things I don't want to repeat what he said because it's so terrible, but yeah. he said... Western civilization is on the decline because of immigrants. And um, what does diversity bring that we don't already have? I hate these kind of people. Yeah. Like This is such a common alt-right position now where they'll use these dog whistles like immigrants have lower IQ. They play on the old tropes of like diseases and that kind of thing. You see this playing out with the coronavirus stuff right now. And so that's a hard okay. district, Corn. It, a- it was the hardest district. And like... When I found that out, I was like, fuck, this sucks. But my director was like, look, like they sent you here for a reason. Like you have the experience. We trust you and that like you can take this on. And so it was some of the hardest work I've ever done, but also some of the most rewarding work. Talk to me about the difficulty. So was, I mean, physically arduous because you were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're wa- how many miles are you walking? Well, so the houses are so spread apart in a lot of the areas that we were going Uh, to that, like, you have to drive. They're 10-minute drives because, like, these are people's farms. Yeah. We're in the fucking cornfields, y'all. Like, I was in my homeland, which was crazy. Um, But, yeah, not only, like, the distance and how big, but, like, Crouton can speak to this, too. Like, it was just, like, snowy and cold and terrible, right? Picture. You made a lot of dog friends. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. ground was frozen. It was yeah. four feet of snow everywhere. And, uh, like, as soon as it was nighttime, it would be like, okay, like, my volunteers might, you know, slip and crack their heads because it's fucking icy everywhere. Like, you have to constantly be checking in with people, make sure that they're safe, make sure, you know, because, yeah, like, it is dangerous conditions. We actually yeah. had to be wearing helmets the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Just you. You're still yeah. wearing it, and I'm yeah. glad to see. Yeah. Always be safe. Always be prepared. That's true. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, like... It's really hard to imagine how someone like Steve King could be a representative. But when you go there and you see like and we, me and Crouton talked about this a lot, like it's just a very sad place. Like you can yeah. feel the sadness. And the reason for that, like just this in itself, minimum wage is seven dollars an hour, uh, seven twenty five. Yeah. Cost of living in general lower or... So here's the thing, like groceries were the same price. Right. But housing, and this is like very different, like you can get a house in Des Moines for under $100,000, which is fucking nuts. And like I had a volunteer who like he lived out in rural Iowa um, and I was talking about how like, yeah, in Seattle, a starter house is like $600,000, $800,000. And he was telling me his house was a tenth of that. His house was like $68,000. It really is. It's a huge house, like lots of property, all that. Um, But the same volunteer, he worked at a factory for 30 years, Um, you know, worked at the same place, moved up within the company, had a a really good retirement plan. And then two years before he was going to retire, they shut the factory down. What was the factory? Was it? Um, I can't remember what the factory was, but it was in Belmond, Iowa. 
Yeah, it's crazy to hear these kind of stories. So my dad had a similar experience where he worked for McDonnell Douglas and they shut down his plant down in California. And people don't understand how big of a deal that is for people in communities where they don't have jobs. No, and these these small towns where it's like everyone is employed by these factories. It is devastating. Oh, yeah. And so what happens is this allows Steve King to flourish because they are convinced and fooled into the narrative that they need to be blaming the people in Mexico that the jobs are going to. Right. I have a friend who works at a Tyson plant in Arkansas, and he tells me about, I don't know if it's true or not. But what he says is that they will actually import people from other countries yeah. where the cost of living is lower because for them, when they come up here, $7 an hour is a lot and they'll, they'll room with family members. They'll do these kind of things. And so I can, then Steve King, right? Right. He uh, plays up on that kind of xenophobia You're as a result of jobs. it. Yeah. Cause, yeah. And for these rural people, it's easy to believe that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to believe because they're it's They're so like, desperate yeah. and it's all that they've ever known. And so the fact that these jobs are getting shipped out or they're being taken by other people, Again, like they are so, um, you know, it's so easy to to believe that sort of narrative if that's all that you've known. But that being said, like there's a lot of people who have been fooled and they do yeah. believe that and they and they blame the people below them. However, Bernie actually polled almost the highest in Steve's King wow. di- Steve King's district because like there's a lot of people who realize that this is bullshit and they realize that no one else has ever fought for them. Trump doesn't give a shit about them and so they know that Bernie is their only shot at a life with dignity. So that is the thing that is the most I find the most exciting about what happened in Iowa and and seeing it through your eyes and and you know from your pictures on social media to the conversations that we had just about the people you met, what was the message that resonated? Like what was the – walk me through a little bit of like the dialogue that you would have. Yeah. So, I mean, there were really two different types of people. Um, I had my volunteers, which like they have been, you know – giving to this campaign since far before I got there and they are totally burnt out and they're doing as much as they can. But yeah, like they're working their asses off. They go home, they have their kids to take care of. And so, you know, trying to build a movement around that is very difficult because again, when you, so the, the other set of people is when you go to the doors, you talk to people who do support Bernie or like they, they agree with the things that you're saying, but they have never voted in their entire lives. Wow. Ever. So you were, was this the, like the first outreach that they've ever had? Or, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had this one experience yeah. that was um, uh, surreal to some degree, right? You know, you're in Seattle one day, the next day you're in Iowa talking to somebody who you never thought you would. Um, there's this one man in particular who was just guessing somewhere around 75 to 80 years old, um, knocked on his door, and we ended up having about a 35-minute talk. He invited me in. We um, learned all about his life, but he actually voted for Trump in 2016. Uh, and told me he uh, had never caucused in his entire life. Lived in Iowa all 75 years, has never caucused before. Um, and for him, it was that he just feels disenfranchised um, from the entire process. He voted for Trump because he felt like something that was something different. Um, but distinctly, he, he told me about working a strong union job for years and years and years, um, talking about the uh, equality of wages, the ability to actually, like, have a standard um, and just seeing that just disappear. Um, And it was a fascinating conversation, but he actually said he was planning on caucusing after that. So it's wild. The effect that that disenfranchisement has on people, Uh, you know, I think they were that disenfranchised and that feeling of like, my vote doesn't matter. Whatever I say is not important. I mean, it's a big part of why I think the Bernie bro movement was such a big deal. Why people switched from Bernie to Trump because finally we have this candidate who was like, Hey, 
I actually care about people, he loses, right? Because of arguably because there was a lot of uh, shenanigans going on from the DNC. Yeah. And then you have Hillary who represents the same status quo. And if you're feeling disenfranchised, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right. That doesn't help the situation. So you vote for the guy who's just like, I want to drain the swamp. Yeah. Which is what Bernie's message effectively was too. I mean, that's what Trump did. He co-opted it. So yeah, Corey, I got a question for you because I'm just very curious. Um, we were talking a little bit and you mentioned that there was a lot of, not a lot of, but you ran into some supporters of like the more establishment candidates and those oh, kind of things. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, so um, on the ground, like, you really get a sense of how things are versus being on Twitter. And so that was very different, too, because, like, you only see the people that are talking shit about Pete and things like that. But um, obviously talked to to a lot of Trump supporters, a lot of Bernie supporters. But after that, it was a lot of Pete supporters. Really? A lot of people. Yeah, I mean, he came in second. Yeah, he or I mean, it depends how you look at it. Yeah. And so, I mean, we really don't even know who the fuck won, but we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, like a lot of the time when I would talk to Pete supporters, and this is something that I encourage everybody to do when you're door knocking, when you're organizing in any way, like one of my biggest takeaways from this campaign that they really pushed on us was whenever you want to make a statement, you need to ask a question instead. And so instead of going to someone who's a Pete supporter and being like, hey, like this is why you're wrong or this is why Pete sucks or here's why Bernie's better. You ask them like, hey, like what policies is Pete fighting for that, that you're passionate about? And almost never people know. And so that gets them to think about that. And so most often when I would talk to people, the only thing they could come up with was, well, he's young and we need new blood. Right. Yeah. Actually, the entire question thing, um, when you ask people what policies they they wanted, what they were looking for, they basically described the Sanders platform. Um, you know, I met multiple people in rural ass Iowa Falls, right? Yep. Um, who had, uh, you know, fifty-five to seventy thousand dollars in student debt, lived in an area that was just suffering under the spirit of disinvestment, and uh, you know, seven twenty-five minimum wage, barely That's any jobs shocking. where they lived, and it's like. in student debt, how are you ever going to pay that off? Yeah, Um, I mean, you're just looking at that long-term albatross around your neck. But I I wanted to ask you about this, the idea that you have people speaking to wanting a Bernie platform, but leaning towards Buttigieg, who doesn't have, his platform is inscrutable. I mean, like, how do you, how do you connect the dots? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Um, So, like, again, what you do with that question of, you know, so what policies do you care about? And then they tell you what policies. The thing, again, you don't say like, hey, like you're wrong. Bernie's the best person. You validate what they're thinking. And you're like, hey, man, like I'm super passionate about that, too. Like this is why I'm volunteering or why I'm door knocking for Bernie, because he's actually going to fight for this. And here's a policy that he's doing. And you give them the reasons why, like, hey, you're totally right. Here's why Bernie's the best candidate for you. Nice. Nice. A classic thing would be, um, oh, yeah, I want to I want to absolve student debt or uh, I don't think I can pay for my kids college, but I want them to have an opportunity um i'm voting for pete you can say i totally hear you and you know uh i know that pete is also fighting for um you know uh accessible college for everybody but what worries me is that he's he's excluding people which means that it's excluding universalism um which means that it's it's more vulnerable program and i like that bernie is more comprehensive um and and you know non-discriminating in his policy that it's it's a right not a privilege this is one of my criticisms of just like the more 
uh, moderate Democrats, as I think was at CNN or whatever the poll or they aggregated them all yeah, together was, so terrible. is that they always start from this position of compromise. Right. Right. It's like we come to the bargaining table. And this is something Sarah talked a lot about on her campaign. It's like we yeah. come to the table already compromised, which means when the Republicans come to the table, we're compromising off of our compromised position. And so we're going to move further and further toward the center. And if you actually care about people, you care about their future. How the fuck do you compromise off that? Right. right. You can't compromise with somebody's life with health care. There is no in between. And so why do we start from like Medicare for all who want it? Like, fuck off. No, nah, that's just, get out yeah, of there. Yeah. 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 One of those establishment like gatekeeper tricks has been asking people to uh, basically legislate on the on the campaign trail. It's a campaign. You're telling people your values, your ideals, what you're fighting for. Right. Not how you're going to get something passed before the, the other bodies even had a chance to attack it. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, so a lot of the time, like people, like you said, they would either like list off things that Bernie was actually fighting for, or they would just be like, you know, Pete's young and like, we just want somebody new, you know, but a lot of the time this would come from older people. Yeah. And so the thing I found to be super effective, which if you're at the doors and you, and you encounter older people with this sort of like, I want a younger person. Yeah. um, I flatter them and that I'm like, Hey, you know, I think Pete is going to have a really long career in politics. Like, yeah. He, he has a great start. That being said, like what our country needs right now is someone with the experience that has gone through the history of the United States, someone that can give us advice like you give your grandchild advice, uh, how they I look like up it. to you. And so they're like, oh, yeah, I'm wise. Like, I know what I'm doing. And so they, <laughs> like they relate with Bernie on that, that it's like we need to look up to someone, not to someone who just got their start in politics. Something I want to add here is I think that we can use language sometimes that might be a little shorthand, but you mean this when you're talking to them. I mean, that, that is that is an authentic right. approach that is just like you you are in your wisdom and your time you have been through some shit and like we need to look up to our elders just like how like we need to do that with bernie like he has been on the picket lines he has been fighting for these issues longer than most of us have been alive that is so so true and the other thing too is you know why aren't we talking about buddha judge in the way that he you know consumes the children of the staff that work for him (laughs) that's true actually i I read it yeah bat boy tried to stop him but now he failed yeah yeah He's on there, yeah. yeah. I mean, literally, Pete is running for the first, like, this is the first time he's ever been eligible to run for president. Yeah. He's been, the man won uh, most likely to be president when he was, you know, a senior in high school, which my firm rule is if you win most most likely to be president, uh, you know, in your in your yearbook, you should never, ever be yeah. in your power. Uh, you sure, know? you've been programmed. I got most likely to. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I, honestly, I would agree with that. I lit- Just period. That's all I literally got most likely to. Most to. likely to yeah. come and go. <laughs> That's a gas station reference. Yeah. Corn brought us some, a little slice of uh, gas station culture. Yes. Jay and I yes. some come and go shirts. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wearing mine with pride. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, so beyond Pete, like you would think that because of the polls that they were pushing that like, you know, maybe we talked to some Biden supporters I don't know if you did, but in the literally like hundreds of doors that I knocked, maybe thousands of doors, I don't know, uh, one Biden supporter. One. Really? One. And the uh, thing is, it? it was an old guy and he was like, you know, I like both Joe and Bernie because they're old farts yep. like me. And I was just like, well, you know what? Here's why Bernie's fighting for you. And then he's like, OK, yeah, I'm going to caucus for him. So like doesn't even really count as a Biden supporter. Right. Um, but that's who he was looking. Do you do you um I know it's difficult at times to figure out what the hell people are thinking. Um, And I love that there was that approach of like bringing them into the discussion and seeing themselves 
as a right. arbiter of good decision making right. and wisdom. But um, Biden, like, what, what was his like? It was it just that Biden was a known name, and and you know Bernie can come with a lot of like internet noise about his you know how he's so loud and so whatever. Before we move on to yeah. that question, yes. I just want to point out one thing: it would really behoove Biden if he moved from no malarkey to just <laughs> Biden. Like exclamation point. It worked really well for Jeb and he is yes. the Jeb candidate. No, Jeb, yes. he is the Jeb candidate and that's exactly what's happening. And like, yeah. I want to get into like what our wins were later. But one of the biggest things, like even though we really still don't know who won Iowa, like we fucking know that Joe Biden lost. Yes. Oh, yeah. He got zero delegates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Loved yeah. it. I like the sound of that. It's almost yeah. like Biden's yeah. like <laughs> sucking on the end of your finger. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Smelling Lord. her. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, that creepy. Oh, my mm. teeth fell out. <laughs> <laughs> Not to get too into my, my political theory get here, but I'm, I'm almost yeah. certain that, that Buttigieg's rise, Buttigieg's, Buttigieg, yeah. that's what we call him. Buttigieg. Um, his rise, I, I assume, was directly correlated with Joe's fall. Totally. Um, and that, you know, he, he's orchestrated, you mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he essentially <laughs> represents what what Biden represents largely, but as a 38 year old. Younger, fresher. Yeah. yeah. Um, Patrick Bateman esque. Yeah. We Joe went, Jr. Joe Jr. Why isn't, why Biden and not just Joe? Yeah. Right. You know? Just That's, Joe. Just, just. Just Joe. Why are we not running this? Yeah, when Joe. are we starting the advertising? Yeah. You know, honestly, I, he doesn't need any of our help. He's, uh, he's got it. He's running he's a fine. brand. We cannot get near Don't it. Don't worry about yeah. it. What, what is yeah. his brand? Uh, Just... No malarkey. No, yeah. no malarkey. Finger looking good. I saw the no malarkey bus. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Finger licking oh, yeah. malarkey. Was it filled with malarkey? Was yeah. that? Is that the so irony of it? So much malarkey. Did you smell yeah. the malarkey? Political hypocrites. Yeah. Too much yeah. malarkey. We went to his uh, his field office at a, a shopping center oh, next to a Starbucks in rural Des Moines. A uh, big no malarkey sign on the door, and nobody inside. Yeah. And you know how you you avoid malarkey? Nobody on your campaign. <laughs> you know, as long as you're talking about establishment people, one more thing. I'm going to spill yeah. some tea here, okay? Do it. Um, I have an anonymous source. I can't name them. Oh, my God. But they work at an Iowa food bank. Oh. Oh. And they told me about when Tom Steyer came to visit. Oh, yeah. Tom. So Tom Steyer showed up at the Iowa food bank. He had two people. They walked up to them and said, hey, can we just take, like, some video? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. That's fine. And so Tom Steyer goes and he works the food bank for about 20 minutes, <laughs> then leaves. Oh. Wow. And to me, that is just like the essential <laughs> establishment. Yes, yeah, it's like, yes. oh, okay, that makes sense. Did he talk a lot about Bernie and what a great guy he was? And Did he want to say hi? <laughs> <laughs> just a big yeah, fan. So, um, so we had an office and yeah, Crouton went to our office. It was in Fort Dodge. And um, we had like the fourth floor office that was very like it was shag carpets and like very 70s, but it was a really good deal. Yeah. Um, Tom was in the same building as us, but had the downstairs space. So like right on the street and it was just like modern and huge. And like we wanted that space, but it was like triple the price. Um, but, you know, he's got that billionaire money. But uh, the the girls that worked there, like they were all super rad, super kind to us. Like love nice. Bernie. Yeah. That's no, nice. it was super cool. Yeah. But then a block away, we also had. Steve King's office. So uh, it was just an interesting block. Yeah, sure. I mean, Fort Dodge was um, possibly the saddest place I've so ever sad. been. In because a way. Fort, Why? Do- Fort, well, so a lot of the other areas we we went, it's like they have always been rural Iowa. Yeah. Fort Dodge used to be a poppin' city, uh, and poppin'. now it is like dead. So it's got that West Virginia vibe now, where just like everything is gone. I mean, I've never been to West Virginia, but yeah, it's just like every. And me and Crouton talked about this. Like, you just feel 
the sadness the like, weight of failure it, it like just pervades everything crumbling yeah. infrastructure and abandoned mm-hmm. buildings and well, and there's this thing i mean i to me this this was a, a an empathy building tour right totally. you know you can you can talk about the struggles that people in the the, the disinvested midwest are dealing with it's another thing to actually see it firsthand right. to feel it to see people just going to the grocery store and having that that just look on their face of just just like they're in a yeah. cloud of misery. Like they're in a cloud of misery. Yeah. But yeah. it's also that the the architecture there, right? There's yeah. that there's that that robust kind of beautiful Midwest architecture. A lot of brick. A lot of just like mm-hmm. so you, like old town kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That no. like feels rich. And again, know? like our office in the '70s was a fucking nice office yeah. for sure. But a lot of the offices have been converted to apartments because like. People aren't making businesses; they just need cheap places to live. Yeah, yeah. You were the office was kitty corner of this um, giant like furniture store that was, that was shut down. Yeah, completely, yeah. completely yeah. empty and abandoned. But yeah, it was it was interesting that you were, um, a, you know, literally right next to Steve King's like home office, and yet the that one event that I attended. You can talk more about that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That one event I attended had. Uh, literally max out capacity oh, inside that it, office. We, like if the fire department would have been called, we would have gotten in trouble for yeah. sure. Yeah. And yeah, cause like there's nothing for people to do. And so even people who don't support Bernie, they're like, I want to go fucking see Bernie. Like a lot of undecided people that we were calling were like, yeah, I want to fucking go. Um, and about that furniture store, one of my volunteers told me they actually shut down when Steve King moved in because nobody wanted to fucking shop there anymore. Because <laughs> so, of the proximity wow. to this monster. Yes, wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think, uh, again, like these people are in the struggle and it's not to say that people in Seattle aren't in the struggle. There's huge income inequality in Seattle where there's people who are doing very well and people who are doing very poorly. But the thing in rural Iowa is it's just like, it's a, it's a community struggle. Like everyone's struggling. Yeah. There's, there's this difference between these, these massive, um, you know, West coast cities that are dealing with entire influxes of, of billions trillions of dollars and yeah. people getting left behind because they become the new the new gilded cities sure. and then these areas that are just atrophying every, yeah everything has left them they're just sinking yep. they're silently sinking you know That's, yeah no and someone's i can't remember who said it to me but they're like you know people talk about how the midwest is dying but in rural iowa like it's already dead yeah you it's know? sad it was the we've same we've been experience. forgotten about and we talked about this a lot too is like you know, me and Crouton, like, we're coming to Iowa with, like, a very set purpose, and it's so exciting, and, like, you know, we're doing something really important, but, like, it's very heavy to think about, like, we leave, and these people stay here, and they continue to suffer, and that's why so many of them have never voted, because they see cycle after cycle after cycle. All these candidates come to Iowa, they all pander to them, and then they get forgotten. When you so one of the things that I enjoyed when I looked, uh, you know, when we talked about it as well. But those moments where you were in the room with AOC and you're in the room mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Michael Moore. Yeah, Michael Moore and Bernard Sanders. Ber- Bernard Ever heard of him? Sunday. Oh, yeah. is yeah. he French? Yeah. yeah, and yeah, okay. Cru- Crouton was at that event with me too. Yeah, I, yeah. Got that. I asked AOC a question. Yeah, and yeah. she made... looked at you. Yeah. Ooh. I yeah, bet you haven't washed your eyeballs. You haven't washed your eyeballs. Literally, no. I uh, I threw out my my eye wash. Uh, and a journalist like tweeted about their interaction too. So like, that's cool. it's real. Yeah. yeah. But, so talk to me about the those moments. Like, w- were you w- was there ever a time when you were like, what's happening? What am I doing here? Well. I was actually my flight from Minneapolis to Iowa. Uh, yeah, Michael, I Michael Moore was on that flight. <gasps> yeah. 
Which yeah. he was like walking to the island, like, is that Michael Moore? And then I'm like, I probably shouldn't say that about people who aren't Michael Moore. But, um, right. I was yeah. also, when we went to the, uh, why? <laughs> when we went to the Fort Dodge office, um, we actually, the, the person I was out there with, shout out to Justin. Um, yeah, we, Justin Roll. Oh, we, yeah, he's still out in about. He's, he's in, in Nevada, Nevada now. Yeah. yeah. Justin's with uh, Michael Graham. Part of, yeah. Yeah. God, I recruited well, Michael Graham. Sorry, you are but, so good. Yeah. Uh, so Justin was like, hey, like, we fundraised enough for another ticket. Do you know anyone who would want to go? And I'm like, you need to fucking talk to Michael Graham. Michael Graham, uh, a yeah. volunteer. And uh, yeah. also, he's been on some uh, uh, Better Left projects. Um, yeah. In addition, uh, Justin, um, uh, DSA. Yeah, DSA. Yeah. Uh, Seattle DSA uh, has done a lot of the like organizing within Amazon. Yes, yeah. also a lot of organizing, helping us like connect yes. and yeah, yeah. Uh, an incredible organizer on fire. But anyway, no, I want to hear but the yeah, rest sorry, of Pujan's story. Oh, yeah, we also just good. when we got to the Fort Dodge yeah. um, field office, we got in the elevator, and Michael Moore was in there again. <laughs> and you know what? Both times was in proximity to him. Never acknowledged him. He cool guyed him. Yeah, I, you know, oh, wow. I, I think that he. I bet there's a lot of both like maybe kind of a missed opportunity but also he's probably relieved you ever seen you ever seen like a very attractive right, yeah. person on the street yeah you, Danny DeVito yeah and Michael you don't, Moore and you don't make eye contact with them you just walk by and you feel like you've like gained some power from that no it was one of, okay well maybe I'm the weirdo here <laughs> no yeah, yeah you're but, sounding a little uh, but, incel you know but it was one of those it was one of those moments you know yeah, I don't care yeah. if you're the celebrity yeah I don't talk to Chad's yeah yeah. 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 yeah this no. is a Chad free zone and then so they were really lucky that they came up in that elevator because the next elevator all of the press we're in and again this is a fucking old ass building that our office is in and uh the, the elevator broke. Oh, no, with all with the press all inside? With the press inside. Hey. So they're all tweeting, being like, we're at Bernie Sanders' event, and we're stuck in the elevator. Oh, you know, they were bitches, too. Yeah, yeah, they were not happy about it. But, like, so then what happened is uh, Michael Moore had to, like, talk, install, install some more, install some more, because they had to have Bernie go up four flights of stairs. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. And then, like, I'm sure that by the time he got up there, it's like, okay, let's give him a chance to, like, catch his breath, like, get a drink of water. And so, yeah, like, Michael was... Uh, uh, he was working the crowd. He was talking about... Um, Charming guy. He is, no. And he was, like, interacting with the crowd. And one of the things that I really enjoyed him talking about that, like, as a field organizer, I'm not really allowed to talk about this sort of stuff, but was, like, going hard on Hillary Clinton with, like, hey, like, Bernie did, like, 40 events for you, bro. Like, and y'all yeah. are Because this was, like... I don't know if you remember. It was like late January, I think, and uh, it was when that news story was coming out where Hillary was like shitting on yeah. Bernie. Oh basically. yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What I really enjoyed was that Michael Moore brought the receipts. Yeah, he always yeah. bring the yeah. receipts. He he was there. He's like, yeah, that's his trade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What I what I pre- he's like what I appreciate about Hillary Clinton is that uh, for um, Barack Obama's campaign in 2000, uh, 2008, she did ten ten events for him. That's amazing. You know, you you already lost the nomination. You're out there doing ten events. Uh, oh. Oh, Bernie Sanders did forty-two events for Hillary Clinton. Forty-two yeah. as the wow. as the losing nominee. Yeah, how dare you say he doesn't? You know, he didn't want you to win. What a narrative yeah. that it's being spun out there in the world that you know Bernie's just burning it all down. Well, the thing is, sure and yes, but <laughs> also there's there's that sort of panic and this really bizarre kind of like emotional I you know like people are ready for uh the Bernie brats to come take them from their homes and you know what are the what who is it Chris um that old news 
guy that said oh, you're going to take me to the woods and on MSNBC. Take, you're going yeah. to take me to, Central, take me to Central, Park. Central Park and shoot me or something. Yeah, and Michael Moore went on there and he's like, "Hey, bro, just letting you know, like, we aren't going to shoot you. Like, it's cool. Like, yeah, yeah. No, that was ridiculous. No, that we save that for the revolution. I think totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I don't yeah. think it's bullets. I think never mind. No, <laughs> no but it is. Is it okay? Yeah. Usually. Like I, I appreciated that he was guilt. talking about that. That being said, though, like again, something that I think both of us learned was the shit that's going down on Twitter is not what's going down Thank on the streets you. of Iowa. Thank you. Like, people don't give a shit about Joe Rogan. And, like, again, when we were in Iowa, that was a big thing on Twitter that people were freaking the fuck out about. One of my volunteers was like, hey, who's Joe Rogan? They're just trying to live. Yeah. yeah. They don't have time to sit down and debate whether Joe Rogan is good or bad. No. This is one of the funny things is, like, a lot of people think that Twitter is the new oh. place where political well, happenings they, happen. People get it's that Facebook bubble, too. Like, they're just going to... Yeah. Be, they're gonna fight the good oh, yeah. fight. Like if you read my Facebook, it's just Bernie Sanders is going to win and all this other stuff. But it's like I'm acutely aware of the fact that yeah, oh, <laughs> from your lips to God's ears, yeah. corn. Yeah. But I'm acutely aware of the fact that we live in an echo chamber, right? right? Yes. Totally. Yeah, 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 like all of us do. Yeah. I mean, uh, shocking. All of my friends support Bernie Sanders. Right. Wow. Yeah. What a surprise that my friends do. Yeah, right. Twitter is essentially just a flytrap for political oh, dorks. Um, and yeah. it's for all the dorks, honestly. True. I mean, you, you pick your poison, you're going to get it. Whether it's like the beefs with, in the hip-hop communities or it's the beauty community or it, it's just a place where people go to fight. We but, are intersectional dorks. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, like people totally. think that like if you're active on Twitter and you know what's going on, like you're at the pulse of politics. But you are not at the pulse unless you are fucking on the doors, Hello. talking to people in the fucking struggle. Yes, yes, that means getting and doing this thing, right? Right. I mean, that is, yeah, it and just gave me chills. Even woman. if you can't do a Bernie journey like Crouton did or like quit your job. <laughs> is it and, called like, a Bernie yeah, journey? Oh it. my yeah. God, it's like Burning yeah. Man. Yeah, right? Basically. Basically, yeah. 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 Um, but like- you can knock doors in your own neighborhood and like they have a system now on their website. I, I don't have the link up, but we'll post it. But like you can go through the training for door knocking at your home. Like they'll get you set up with the app and like you can just do your, your neighborhood. Yeah, that's actually one of the things I really liked about working with legislative districts when we were on Sarah's campaign was we had this one PCO guy, uh, Mark Prow, I think. And he, oh, yeah, yeah. he knocked every door in his precinct. Right. And there was 300 doors. And that yeah. sounds like a small number, but like- That guy's great. That's what he does is he actually cares. And this is what PCOs are supposed right. to do, precinct committee officers. They're supposed to care for their precinct that way. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah. this is another great example. It's like uh, the best place to start is not by going to Iowa necessarily. I mean, if you can, great. If you can, that's rad. Yeah. But if but, not, like you can still be effective from where you are, whether that's door knocking or like if for any reason you cannot yeah. door knock, like make some calls. And like, what a great place to start. Like literally just look at your little slice of the map. Yes. Yeah. Totally. It's like what, maybe like yeah. 10 houses in a, you know, I mean, it varies depending yeah. on the precinct, well, but uh, yeah. And I will say this, we interviewed Ari Hoffman uh, <laughs> a while ago, but I'll say this, like as, there's lots of criticism you can throw at this guy, but there's one a thing lot. that he's very right about, which is simply this. Uh, we need to talk more about politics. We can't be afraid to do that. Yeah. And, you know, like maybe his point of compromise isn't amazing, but like the idea that we need to be talking about people we're afraid to talk about, we need to be actually right. having discussions about yeah. it. We need to be challenging each other. Mm-hmm. That is spot they, on. You will talk to me a little bit about like dispel some, some worry and concern. So people are going to be listening they're going to be on the fence. They're going to be feeling guilty that they don't canvas or, or they, they, the idea of knocking on doors is terrifying. Mm-hmm. What if they see like, you know, what if someone screams at them and what if someone t- pulls a gun on them? I yeah, mean, yeah. you were in Iowa, <laughs> you were in rural Iowa, 
Yeah. So, I mean, I would say like 98% of my interactions were positive because like, even if people disagree with you, like they're not going to be an asshole to you again. Like it might be easy to think that because we're on Twitter where everyone is assholes. But when you're face to face with someone, generally they're going to have respect for you at least to just be like, hey, I'm not interested. But what about the the whole door to door thing? There's that kind of like that specter of like salesmen traveling, you know, night salesman salesperson like did you get that experience like I actually had one experience where someone had a, a no solid a no solicitor sign um, on their door I walked up saw it started walking away they saw me and they like came outside we ended up having like a 20 minute conversation yeah but um, canvassing I mean I know here in Washington State at the least it's not soliciting right like you, no it's not soliciting I mean you don't yeah, want you're it. not I mean, selling anything they're and basically saying don't knock on my door I mean the thing I always tell people is like use your best judgment if you feel uncomfortable at that door then don't knock that door but like yeah Yeah. what I what I felt was that I think and I can't speak for any other candidate but I think because there's something that's genuine about Bernie canvassing right we're not getting some of us are getting paid but we're doing it because that's that's we believe in this cause right and so I think people are willing to meet you where you were at because you were there from a genuine place and we're you know? making you didn't. We have the fake excitement. You're not trying to sell them. You're trying to talk to them. Yeah. And there's a difference. It's really funny because when I think of Bernie canvassers, I think of the same like Jehovah Witnesses huh. and Mormons. And actually, Jehovah Witnesses. We're on a mission. Mormons. Yeah. yeah. Well, but that's the yeah, with the same fervor. There's yeah, same fervor and like the same care. Because like the bottom line right. is like, if you're going to somebody's door and you're like, hey man, I got this really important thing to talk to you about. There's it's something genuine more, yeah. about that. Yeah. I don't get mad when they come to my door because of that. Oh, I do. I, like, I hit the deck and I crab walk. That's because you were born in Washington. <laughs> that's true. And that is part of the culture. No, and I, I would say that's like the biggest difference in Washington is like a lot of people just aren't going to answer the door. But again, like that's not a negative interaction and you're leaving that piece of literature behind, like you're planting that seed. And so that's still totally positive. Um, and then in Iowa, like I think a lot of people, even if they disagreed with us, even if they were a Trump supporter, like for where we were door knocking specifically, like we were in the middle of fucking nowhere. And yeah. so they just appreciated the fact that they're like, they're like, Hey, like you drove all the way out here to talk to me. Wow. Like, that's okay, cool. You know? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I talked to multiple people who had never had um, an interaction with any other campaigns, but in the, Iowa, yeah. do you, can you believe this? Like, honestly, the damage that has been done by ignoring the middle of America, by ignoring a, a crucial within our culture to make them feel as though they are disconnected uh, and that they have nothing in common with inner city folks and inner city working poor and well I mean like this is part of the thing right I mean anybody who's worked in campaign canvassing or any kind of political work knows the term the likely voter right yeah and you're told Always go target the likely voter. That's what you're supposed to do. Every campaign I've ever worked yeah. on, progressive or not, like right. that's just what it's been because it's like the most effective use is your, of your time is to tell people who are going to vote, hey, vote for me. Path of least resistance. Right. Mm-hmm. And actually, this is one of the things where I think like the capitalist mindset has sought, sunk in yeah. into the, like, the political thing, right? It's like somebody's not likely to vote, therefore they're not worth talking to. Right. And we, we create these metrics by which we can evaluate whether or not they're likely to vote and not like Jesus we're all suffering under the same scourge. Yeah. Maybe and our, we care about that. our campaign took a big gamble in that we did the exact opposite of that. Like right. there were some likely Democrats on my list, but probably 80% of the people I talked to were people with no data on vote builders. So yeah. that means they have never voted. We have never, nobody, no other campaign has ever talked to them. They haven't caucused like, and so you're going into those conversations having no idea what you're going to get. And so what are you, when you were in Iowa, what were you, you knock on the door and you would say, Hey, a date's coming. A yeah. time's coming. Yeah. 
Talk yeah. to me. So first it would be like, hey, like my name's Cassidy. I'm with Bernie's campaign. I'm looking for so-and-so. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the time, because it was people with no data, it would be like, oh, that person moved. But we're still going to fucking talk to them. Yeah, I don't That's a like, human body. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. a lot of the time, like the people who had moved, it's because these are rental places. And so they're people that are low income and like they are Just people we want to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then like we if it's somebody that let's say is the person there, but like they have never voted before, like they seem super uninterested. I'm like, hey, you know, I totally understand why you have never voted. No one has ever fought for you. Why would you be involved in the political process? That being said, like this time around, we are so lucky because we have someone like Bernie Sanders who's fighting for us, who's fighting for a $15 minimum wage, fighting for free childcare for everyone. And like those were my two big things yeah. because if you're making $7 an hour minimum wage, like a good job in Iowa is like $10 an hour. And I would see that advertised all the time, like $10 an hour, you know, like that's a good yeah. job. And so- <sighs> Making fifteen dollar minimum wage, That's like that, serious. would change people's lives overnight. Oh yeah, offering them uh, childcare. Childcare is a huge one too, because again, that it's would like make all the world of a difference. Yeah, some of the some of the most enlightening conversations I had were when I got to a door and it wasn't the person I was expecting to talk to. Yeah, and that's how I learned some of the because uh, I got there late enough that many of the people I was I was talking to were. Um, uh, supposed to be Bernie voters, right? On our on our list, they were. Oh, I see. So you would work through. It, you went yeah. with the hardest to the to the Bernie folks. Is yeah, that kind of the way that they, worked. They were nice. they were being nice to me, right? But because I ended up talking to a lot of people who were not the people on our list, right? Mm-hmm. I ended up having these conversations that were so insightful. And the things that I kept hearing were, um, bring back the unions. Yes, um, we need we need strong trade That's unions. Good to hear. People kept talking about like. Um, just how how much protection they had when the unions were around, how they felt like there was something for them. Um, climate change was a huge one. Was uh, it yeah. really? Well, because the 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 crop fields yeah, keep flooding, yeah. um, <sighs> and that their entire economy is based on on crops, right? Um, is it corn? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Wow, but what about yeah? Did you, Very did you get personal. into it with like uh, uh, subsidies for corn, and did you, did that even come up? I so mean- when I would go, because you didn't go to like farms like I did no, so no, no. much, and so the two things that I talked about a lot that people really liked. One was that um, Bernie wants to break up the monopolies of big agriculture. Hell yeah. Um, because these are all a lot of small farmers, you know, and so they're like, fuck yes, like break that shit up. And then yeah. the other thing that people really liked is that um, Bernie wants to make it so that like if you have a John Deere tractor, you can fix your tractor. Yes, right. What yeah. a concept. Yeah, yeah. You know? you can people, be, yeah. yeah, people were eating that shit up because like that affects them and no one else is talking about that shit. People don't realize the extent to which rural communities rely on one another for existence, like for yes. food, for support, for like um, mechanics work and for like all these kind of things that's why the John Deere like you can't fix your own tractor thing is such a big deal yeah. um, it, it means something yeah and it's it's really interesting because when we live in our urban bubbles we forget these yep. kind of things like you don't go over to your friend's house to get eggs yeah we right. do on my block but well yeah but anyway like the, <laughs> that it's so interesting and so people just completely pass over that it's, yeah. it's cool to hear these stories yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, something that really struck me was uh, obviously a lot of what's happened in Iowa over the past, you know, 40, 50 years, right, is that a lot of these traditional family farms have been consolidated into yep. these mega corporations, right? But uh, Des Moines has the, what if not the, one of the fanciest water treatment facilities in the entire Western Hemisphere because there's so much pig shit just put into the water supply oh, sure. by the major corporations up yeah. north, right? 
um, that they have to they have to use all these taxpayer dollars to uh, you know protect remedi- everybody from yeah, yeah remediate yeah. corporate malfeasance. Right. People don't understand the impact that the larger corporations are actually having in these environments. And it's just like you know when you get things like a Tyson Chicken Factory, the amount of waste that they oh, produce yeah. is just remarkable yeah, well, and it and, contaminates the water. And then talking to people, sitting down and having a dialogue with the people that are impacted, they want. To, I mean, I, we've talked about this in the past. Me growing up in a rural area, working class poor, they were just as concerned as anybody about stuff, but they were trying to feed their kids, right. keep in their right. home, pay the bills. No, and a lot of these farms I went to, like, you know, they'll have, like, signs at their farms and, like, it, it's cool yeah. looking and all that. But, like, it'll say how, like, they've been there for 110 years and shit like that. Wow. And, like... This is all the this family has known. And so it is so scary, the idea that, like, they may lose their farms. They may not be able to have that as their livelihood. And so, again, like, they have been forgotten, and Bernie is the only one fighting for them. So when, um, Corn, when you had to talk to Mark about not going door-to-door in his underwear, um, was that <laughs> it was a— It was too cold. Was yeah. it, you, were, yeah. you were concerned about the cold, but, yes. the, but yeah. the Iowans appreciated it, I'm imagining. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't have a corn-fed body. Uh, oh. Sorry, I wouldn't have been appreciated there. Gotcha. No, and I know that, like, one of the people you talk to, they really did appreciate talking to you because, like, you are, you know, a different-looking human than what you typically see in Iowa. Um, so do you want to talk about that? Yeah. When I was in Iowa Falls, uh, one of the doors I knocked, it wasn't who was supposed to be there. Right. Um, but they were uh, a member of the queer community and were like, yeah, I'm the only gay person in this entire town. Oh. Which, I mean, there's 5,000 people, right? Uh, they had dyed hair, were wearing a mesh shirt, right? Right. Uh, and I think the fact that I had a nose ring exactly. made them like, oh, I can talk to you. Sure. They yeah. have probably never seen a guy who has a nose ring, yeah. you know? And so, like, for, for Mark to come to their door and talk to them was like, fuck yes. Like, I get to talk about all the things. I get to be my authentic self. Yeah. And so I know that was a really cool I experience. Mean, I, I told them that I was a member of the queer community as well. And uh, we got to... We got to talk about that. We just, I, I went in and we talked for like 15, 20 minutes. They um, were not planning on caucusing. They weren't a registered voter. I uh, let them know that they could register the day of the caucus. Um, and by the end of the conversation, they're like, yeah, you've convinced me. Uh, wow, that's great. They also asked if they ever came to Seattle if I was available. But uh, <laughs> hey. for a tour or, or yeah. a tour? Yeah, for a tour. Well, a tour. <laughs> not, not sure of what, but yeah. yeah. You want to go on that Bernie journey, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. You know. <laughs> flirt and convert. That's really sweet. I mean, I, I flirt and convert. I'm going to get that as a tattoo on my lower back. Um, but, you know, Mark, th- those are the moments that, that you you don't know how impactful that could have been. But to bring hope to a person and not only hope, but you can do this. You get to. Yeah. I'm not providing you with the thing you need I'm giving you the inspiration to do the thing yeah and that was a big thing that we pushed on the campaign is like generally canvassing campaigning it's transactional organizing that you're like will you vote for my candidate but with us what we're trying to do is like we want to bring people into the movement to empower them to fight for the issues that matter to them and when you frame it in that sort of way like it means so much more than just hey will you come caucus for Bernie it's like will you help us fight for the people in your community and fight for the struggle that you're going through uh remarkable i mean it just gives me chills it it is it just feels right it's the right thing to do to to go out and reach out to these people any concerns that people um on the ground like people you were talking to uh about like the bernie bro syndrome or is that uh, purely twitter facebook never literally never 
Oh, that might just be a talking point? Yeah. yeah weird. Yeah. No, yeah. the the biggest concern I would ever hear about Bernie, like, there was a couple people that, you know, they're Trump people, so they're not going to be for him, or they're like, he's a socialist, and like... Again, it's all about using your best judgment. Some Trump supporters are totally open to talking to you and that like they're fucking asking you to push them basically. Yeah, they want to know. Yeah. Other people like they're racist, they're terrible and you don't want to talk to them and so you just walk away and say thanks so much, have a good day. Um, you know, my whole thing that I told Crouton, I told all my volunteers is like, yes, obviously we want to get as many commit to caucus cards as we can, but the most important thing is having a positive interaction with every single person you talk to because you, Bernie might not be their first choice, but again, it's about that positive interaction, planting that seed. And a lot of people, like maybe their first candidate will drop out, whatever, yeah. like something weird happens, whatever it may be. They're going to remember that nice boy that, you know, drove 40 miles to knock on their door and like they might support Bernie just because they right. see that passion and you right. had a positive interaction. You know, and, um, you know, the fact that we're canvassing for a, a democratic socialist means that we have to approach this with a material analysis. We have to say that people are people. People are redeemable. Trump voters are redeemable yep. because they likely voted for Trump due to their material conditions. Their right. Desperation. There yeah. were so many people who, again, um, voted for Trump because they believed in the a lot of his messaging, but Trump is a con man. And there's a lot of overlap with the things that Bernie legitimately stands for. Right. Trying to trying to bring hope back to these people. Sure. But he's not a con man. And that's but hope the difference. Without rage. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point because you know, whenever I go down to Arizona, I just spent three weeks down there. I get a chance to talk to a lot of people who are not necessarily politically aligned with me, right? Yeah. And this is what I was saying is like it's uh, I'm acutely aware of the fact that I live in a bubble here because everybody I know cares about other people. But the funny thing about it is everybody I know cares about other people, whether they're Trump supporters or whether they're Bernie supporters or whatever it might be. And we can always agree on that. It's like when I talk with my parents and I say, hey, listen, would you honestly choose to let somebody die without health care? The answer is always no. It's always right. no. They're like, no, of course not. I want people to have food and I want people to have health care and I want people to have homes. And it's incredible that when we actually are thinking about class solidarity and talking about issues with like working class persons, we're all aligned. Everybody agrees on that point. But the matter of the question is, how do we get through that filter that we've put together? So I think that we have to remember as well that um, people who don't vote for your candidate are not not voting for your candidate out of spite or malice necessarily, but it's that they want to improve their life and they the want to, people. yeah, right. and they want to improve the life of the people, the non-Twitter people. They want to improve the life of the people around them. They just have a different idea of how that's accomplished. And so I think it's, it is about approaching them in good faith, uh, in good dialogue and being like, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you want. This is why I believe that this candidate is going to improve it for all of us. So um, two other questions that I have. Um, I'll start with this one. Um, the socialism thing and the specter of, you know, that that whole piece Ooh. and you're going to come and steal all your stuff. And then um, and then the uh, reconciling has that experience overall changed the way you see social media. Um, hmm. But tell me about the socialism stuff and we'll roll into that. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like I didn't even have to have this conversation that often, but when I did, like 
I would, again, I'm not going to tell them how their thoughts are dumb or like they're, they're wrong. I'd be like, hey, you know, I understand your skepticism. There's been a lot of, you know, the red scare and like people have been taught that socialism is a bad thing. Yeah. That being said, democratic socialism is different and here's why. Here's what it means for you and here's how it's going to impact your community. Um, and one of the things I, I really talk about a lot is, you know, people are afraid that their taxes are going to go up. Right. How are you going to pay for it? Exactly. And so I just talk about how like, look, you and me, we're paying more taxes than our bosses are. Do you think that's okay? And like, again, by asking that question, and of course people are like, no, that's not okay. And so, you know, that's what democratic socialism is. It doesn't mean like turning into spooky Venezuela. It's just like, yeah, like we just want to make sure that you and your family are taken care of. And if you're working hard, that like you have a life of dignity. I'll never vote for a socialist because I like toilet paper. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I mean, what are we going to be doing? No. Wiping our butt and on again, trees? there's some people that it's like you go to the door. They're like, Bernie's a socialist. Fuck you. They'll close the door. But like, so be it. You know, like they aren't reachable right yeah. now. Talk to me about okay. that. Like, that's that. That's is that the scariest thing? That's yeah, that's like. The, and again, like it's not like someone's like berating me at the door. They just like close the door and say Bernie's a socialist. And then like, you go in and steal some of their food and say, yeah. we're taking this for the socialists. Yeah. Exactly. No, um, <laughs> with the, the few times I encountered the oh, Bernie's a socialist. I'm like, yeah, OK. Well, to me, what what socialism means is this idea that that we all thrive we're all better when our, our needs are met, when we can be empowered human beings. And and so what socialism means under Bernie Sanders is that energy, healthcare, education, transportation are in our control, that we can vote for the person who controls our energy and our prices uh, instead of just being at the whims of some, you know, corporate we uh, get to this is our mechanism slime. we created this yeah. yeah and something almost everything or everyone agrees on no matter what side you're on like this is a unifying point through and through which like it, this is why it confuses me how bloomberg is rising but like everyone agrees that money in politics is not okay right everyone agrees on that and everyone they agrees do. that it corrupts across across yeah. party yeah. across yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah but we still get to see these wonderful memes i'm going to read to you one that my mom shared because <laughs> oh, i love this and i hope there's a meme to be involved. honest i read it and i was like actually that sounds pretty fucking sweet like <laughs> i'm in you're playing bernopoly after each trip around the board you pass go if you're the leader you must give up one piece of property to the one with the least okay the same goes for hotels houses etc okay instead of collecting two hundred dollars you pay 35% income tax to be split among the other players. And I was like, All right. actually, All right. that sounds pretty fucking Seems sweet, right? Like, yeah. Me. I mean, I didn't realize your mom was into this, but I'm That's cool. what I said. Yeah, yeah. And the irony is that people don't realize that Monopoly was made as a criticism of capitalism. Yeah, it was, like, and they don't get it. It's <laughs> called Monopoly. It's like, yeah. oh, you made it better. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> it's fair now. And that's yeah. why families break up when they play this game. Totally. Because it's a sham. Do you remember when, was it Hasbro? When when the Monopoly creators came out with, Millennials. The, so, with the, the socialism? The socialist one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Which just yeah. sounded awesome. Did that, right. was it them or was it licensed to a, I, I, I'm, I'm I, I asked just because it seems pretty brazen, but. No, no, no. It was Monopoly for Millennials is what it was. And it was exactly that. They just made a bunch uh. of random stuff. Like you didn't even get real money or something. It was oh. ridiculous. And okay. everybody was just like, okay, that's a little cringy, but yeah. also. I'll fuck with that. Yeah, yeah. No, but again, like whether it's you're talking to Trump supporters or what what happened more often with us is, you know, maybe you were talking to people who, again, like they ha- are just so apathetic to the political process that like they are unable to absorb what you are talking to them about the nutrients of the food. Exactly. Fundamental. And so the idea of like 
you know, Bernie's whole thing is fighting for someone you don't know, fighting for someone who can't fight for themselves. And that's why, like, if you have the privilege to be able to volunteer, you need to volunteer because it is a privilege to have free time. It is a privilege, like, to be able to to travel to a different state. Like, no matter what your level of privilege is, whether it's that you can give two hours on a weekend or, like, you can make some phone calls or you can go to a different state, like, please use that privilege because we are a campaign uh, like fighting for the people who don't have that privilege. Yeah. I mean, uh, shout out to everybody who um, donated to the GoFundMe that allowed me to go out there. Um, That's allowing, you know, people who have some time, have some privilege uh, to be able to go around the country on the Bernie journey. It is. Yeah. No. And that's a great point. So like if you don't have the time, but you have the money, support others who do have the time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So Justin Roll, again, like he's been a huge organizer. They've raised like $4,000. That guy, he uh, continues to impress me. We had eight different people from Seattle come to Iowa while we were there and stay well, with the, us. The over lure, the-, the call of corn, yeah, they cannot yeah. resist. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, having these out-of-state volunteers come help, especially in rural Iowa, was a game changer. Um, again, like I had one of the biggest turfs in the state. I had 39 precincts, just myself, where other people who were in urban areas, they had like eight to 10 precincts. And so, it's far fewer people, but it's just fucking huge. And so even my, you know, my local volunteers, like they're not going to drive a hundred miles round trip to fucking go knock doors on a Saturday. But like my out of staters, they were fucking down to do whatever I needed them to do go wherever I needed them to go. And so if you can do that, please do. Because again, a lot of these areas, like there are people who are going to vote for Bernie, but they don't have the privilege to volunteer for Bernie. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's up? Well, one of the things uh, I was I was scared at first to tell people that I was from out of state. You know, I didn't right. want to think have people think, oh, you my know, first thought is Seattle. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. this cosmopolitan socialist yeah. who is just trying to, you know. No, but the thing was that yeah. if I ever actually said, you know, I, I wasn't going to just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm more from, from Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> I have privilege. I have class. No, um, yeah. you're having a coffee. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh when God. people asked, you know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and actually, the response I got was, oh, you came out here to talk to me? Yeah. You know, I, I that matter. Means something. I it's matter really exciting to it people. It means something. Yeah. No more flyover yeah. s- uh, zones. You're None not a that. flyover. You're a fly too. So talk to me about, yeah, that's, see, that's, that's going to make all the difference. Because honestly, I feel like that's healing. Like, and it also gives people an opportunity to see the world that's not yours. Like, to go in and had that dialogue it's it's very inspiring to me i'm 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 very very inspired by your work um i I do want to touch on that social media piece like has it shifted your how you look and what you do no and like i like i was saying earlier like you are not on the pulse of things unless you are on the ground and it was so eye-opening to me that like you don't need to give energy to these things that they're throwing at us, you guys. Like, that is what they want. They want us to be distracted. They want us to be shitposting online. They want Each us other. to be getting in arguments. Yeah. Don't do that. Like, go knock doors. Go talk to people. Because, again, like, no one I talked to ever brought anything up about Bernie bros or about any of the online. Because, like, there was a lot of shit being thrown at us in Iowa because Bernie was fucking polling number one. He was number one in the Des Moines Register. Like, and so that was when, yeah, like, Hillary was coming for us. Like, the Joe Rogan shit. Like, there was just so much shit. But Never ending. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, there there was a lot going on. And so, uh, it 
it feels it's easy to feel like oh my god like I need to defend Bernie I need to prove people right but that is not organizing organizing is again like not telling people that they're wrong but validating how they feel connecting with them and then explaining to them why Bernie is the best candidate to fight for them and so something I really have been trying to push on people is when you argue with someone online like I'm going to talk about the culinary union stuff and like that's a little bit controversial I know but like instead of telling people why they're wrong like that's not that doesn't bring voters in that doesn't make you win and so my question I have for people who are online is are you more concerned with being right or are you more concerned with winning hello yes absolutely absolutely I do want to say this as well we have because we came we started doing the podcast as a way to channel our action and the things that we did right we end nearly every show by saying get off social media go out and do a thing and that is honestly that becomes my new mantra like are you just want to be right or do you want to win yep i have expended so much energy uh and so much just like Oh, you, you know that feeling when you get in the, that argument? Oh, and sure. It's both cathartic, but you also feel like you've expended all your like mental, political right. bandwidth for the entire yeah. day. And channel what does it that, get you? Yeah, channel that energy into actually doing something, being on the ground, because it's, that's so rewarding. And it's actually something that creates these positive spirals, these these you know these virtuous, these virtuous these cycles, cycles yeah, that yeah. make you want to go back out there because you're like, oh, people are responding to this message. I'm not just yelling into the ether at, at a brick wall. And the two of you having come back on fire with clarity of purpose and experience that you can speak to the reality of things, honestly, it's a gift. Yeah, and I mean... Um, Um, you know, one of the things that I think is really important to think about, too, that we were talking about earlier is like, of course, there's people at the top who are terrible, like in Pete's campaign, whatever. But like, we need to assume positive intent from these voters until they have proven to us otherwise. And that like, they truly believe that their candidates are the best to fix things, you know, and maybe some people, you know, they have, uh, they're going to benefit in some way or whatever. But if you come at it with that perspective, and again, like you aren't trying to prove someone wrong, or you're not trying to shit on someone's candidate, but like, you can find at least one thing about each candidate that like you can kind of relate with and validate. For example, like with Pete, like I think he's a terrible candidate, but I can say how like, look, I understand he's young, like he's he's that fresh blood, but I think he's going to have a really long career in politics. Did anyone complain about you his know? tight pants? Well, <laughs> also friends are trash and he's trash. So I'm a friend. Therefore, I can relate to Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's uh-huh. all about connecting. It no, is, but yeah. uh, just, you know. Proving people wrong isn't how you get voters. Um, I think one of the things we really need to think about, especially is like with Liz voters specifically, as we see her not do super well in these states, like let's stop shitting on Liz supporters because I mean, sure, some of them just like all like there's bernie supporters who are terrible yeah, adam's a list supporter yeah. i know he and he's terrible right <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah no he is he also is also trash he, yeah he's terrible no terrible. but but my point is like most people who are fighting for liz like they truly they want medicare for all like they want to ho- hold corporations accountable and so fighting is making is they'll will lose Right. And We're so let's let's stuff, connect yeah. with them and be like, hey, man, like I totally see like you're fighting for the same things I'm fighting for. Like if Liz doesn't do well in these Super Tuesday states, we need them to fucking come to us in Washington. That's one really big thing I want to tell people as well. Like when you're talking to friends, family, canvassing, whatever here in Washington state. 
our ballots go out like February 22nd or something yeah. like that. But um, we the votes aren't counted until March 10th. And so Super Tuesday is on March 3rd. And so what that means is between March 3rd and March 10th, probably on March 4th, um, a lot of candidates are going to drop out. And already on our ballots, um, there's five candidates who have dropped out. And so if you vote for one of those candidates before March 3rd and then your candidate drops out, your vote is lost. Um, So if you're if you're someone who's on the fence, maybe between Liz and Bernie, whatever it may be like. Again, we see you. We see that you're fighting for the same issues that we're fighting for, and we don't want your vote to be lost. So, like, hold on to that ballot until at least after Super Tuesday to see what happens. Two things. Um, one action item. Uh, I believe on March 7th, there is a huge, like, final push um, canvassing Hell thing. Yeah. You can sign up on uh, maps, map.berniesanders.com. Yeah. yeah. Um, type in your zip code. Uh, map I, or maps? Uh, Google that. Yeah. Duck, duck, go that. Um, but the other thing, again, not trying to get too political theory it's here. It's map. Sorry. Yeah. yeah but great. we, you know, we live under a global financial capital hegemony that has completely altered everybody's like rationality. There are a lot of people who, again, want to want to make the world better for everybody. But they think that, you know, they point to those, uh, you know, Steven Pinker stats and like, oh, we've reduced, uh, you know, global poverty by this much. Right. Uh, and they think that what's what's going on is actually they've, they've been raised in these systems with these educations that tell them that, like, the world as it is, is actually good. And you can make a few tweaks to it. And for the analytics. Will, and you'll, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What we're like fundamentally saying as as supporters of Bernie Sanders is that, oh, we have a completely different political analysis and they're the entire thing. There's there are structural deficiencies. Right. But yep. you you still have to tr- like a- approach people like they are people like they are capable of of change. Not that they are evil demons because the the candidate they support because they support Liz Warren. They you know like there there still has to be this this degree of forgiveness and patience and just being treating people like people that I think Twitter dehumanizes us from. We they treat people like Im- they are profile pictures. And they right? ask these impossible questions. Are you saying any blue will do? Are you saying in a blue doo? Like mm-hmm. it's like shut up. Yeah. Let's talk about who's on the playing field right now, and let me get there. We get in these 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 tornadoes, these vortexes of uh, a bad rage. faith, yeah. right? Oh, good. But people are not bad faith in real life most of the time, right? Yeah, and I'll just say this: like I'm officially on record, not any blue will do. I will not vote for another candidate. I will not vote for. I'm not voting Bernie. for Mike Bloomberg. Oh like, no, no, he will. He does that. not get my vote. Yeah. All right. You know, can I say a point of this? There's been a lot of debate about the oh, should you vote for anyone who's not Bernie? There's a thing about called power, you know, that liberals have no idea how to wield effectively. Well, they wield it on each other very well. <laughs> Democracy involves strategic voting, telling people that you will not vote for anybody else besides Bernie Sanders. It's a good thing. Right. Vote for my candidate. That's how you wield power. You right. have 26 percent of 26 percent of the vote in you know New Hampshire and Iowa. Right. Cool. You don't have the majority, but you do have a plurality. Use that to your advantage. Totally. Just want to put that out there. Yeah. And so I want to I think what I want to transition to is first, I'd like to share this video of one of the my volunteers. And this is just an example like and I hope it uh, it inspires people to go volunteer because Carrie, she is from rural Iowa um, and she was one of my uh, precinct uh, captains on caucus night. But she could not do any door knocking or anything for me because she's disabled. And so this is what I'm talking about. And that like if you have privilege and you are able to door knock, you are able to 
to travel, whatever it may be, like, please push yourself outside of your boundaries. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's scary, but like the shit that we're dealing with is uncomfortable and scary. The shit that people like Carrie are going through is uncomfortable and scary. And so please do that. If you have any questions, if you, if you want to like learn more about like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. Like, should I go here, there? Like you can always reach out to me, better left corn. Um, but I want to play this video and then maybe take a quick break and then we can talk about the caucus. And yes. Close things I'd out. Love Does to. that sound yeah, good? Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Okay. okay. I want to hear what it is like if people know people or themselves, what is it like to live on 12000 or $10,000 a year Social Security? Other thoughts? Anybody else? Yeah, we've got, we got a mic right here. Hold it. Hold up. Okay, hold that mic closely, please. Um, I've been living on probably less than that for a long time because of disabilities. It's so hard to do anything to pay pay your bills. You're ashamed all the time. And I could completely understand how she feels. And when you can't buy presents for your children, it's, it's really, really, really hard. And I worked, I worked three, four, five jobs sometimes, always minimum wage. Um, I have a degree. Um, divorced and um, it's just um, waiting for disability to come through so my parents have to support me. Okay, it's me just, just hard. All right, thank you. Thank you. It is not easy for people to stand up and say that. But beyond comprehension, you got Republicans going around saying, we got to cut. Social Security. We got to cut it. What people are getting is too much. $10,000 is too much. Does anybody here know what the COLA was? Cost of living adjustment this year for people on Social Security? Yeah, and those. It was zero. So, yeah, like... Carrie is the type of person that we are fighting for. She's someone who is in the movement. Like she understands like what, what we need because she is in that struggle. And so she doesn't get to door knock. She was a volunteer for you. She was a volunteer for me. Like she's done phone banking. She, um, she was one of our precinct captains. So what that means is on caucus night, she was one of our trained up volunteers who, um, you know, basically like would let all the Bernie people know what to do because again, like most people who were caucusing on behalf of Bernie had never caucused before. So we needed a trained volunteer on the ground in every single precinct. And there's over 1600 precincts in Iowa. And we had a volunteer at every single one. Yeah. Um, a lot of them local people, but also a lot of volunteers from out of state. Um, uh, Greg from Seattle sucks. He was a caucus yeah. night volunteer. Oh, yeah. um, Rico, Munya, uh, Roy, like th from Sean's campaign, they were all volunteers. Um, um, and so, yeah, like a super critical role, because as you guys know, the caucuses were a shit show. Yes. Can you get into <laughs> a little bit of the shit showiness? I mean, yeah. I know we've got so much to talk about. Maybe this is a two parter, but uh, I'm dying to hear from your perspective. Like yeah. So on the ground, like at the caucuses, honestly, it was 
pretty okay and that like yeah people were a little confused and like you know it takes a long time that sort of stuff but like we were all there for a reason we kind of know what we're getting ourselves into and yeah like we had the results on the ground that wasn't a problem what the problem was is that those results never ended up getting reported on caucus night because the democratic party fucking dropped the ball wow yeah now from your vantage point how much of it because everybody was you know they called it everybody you know and, and i can see there's a lot of suspicion but also it doesn't seem too far removed from reality to call that things are going to get screwed up in iowa well and here's the thing like and anyone knows this no matter where you live going sorry guys going to like democratic party meetings is that they are volunteer led a lot of the time the person who is leading the thing is just because they showed up yeah. And they raise their hand. And so that, especially in rural Iowa, like a lot of places didn't have a caucus chair, which is like not on behalf of Bernie, but on behalf of the Democratic Party. They didn't have a chair until that day, until everybody got there and they're like, hey, like who wants to run the thing? And then the people who are running the things that like are involved in the Democratic Party, they tend to be older folks. And so trying to think that these people could run an app that they haven't been trained on like yes. that you know it, it had like flaws and confusion was user friendly exactly and, yeah. like it, it just it was one of those things where as someone working on the campaign like i had heard that like oh people are going to be using an app whatever but again like my focus was on getting people to the caucus like i yeah. couldn't think about that but what i thought was okay after the caucus like i'm fucking driving to des moines i'm going to our celebration party like whether we win or not because hard work we get to celebrate our hard work and what we did and no matter what we are winning in some type of way like i know that we will um and so you know, we thought we were going to drive to Des Moines, go to this party. And like, no matter whether we were celebrating a win or not, like we were going to be celebrating our hard work. Um, but I got back to my hotel in Fort Dodge. Uh, one of my other coworkers met me there and we're like, yeah, like, let's see how the results look. And then we'll drive to Des Moines. Cause again, it's like a two and a half hour drive for us yes. out in rural Iowa. Um, it's nine o'clock, it's nine thirty. it's 10 o'clock. And only 3% of the vote had Ugh. been, re- uh, reported. And so democratic, uh, party officials, like not at the top, top, but the people who are running these caucuses, they started just fucking posting their results on Twitter because yep. they were saying like the app isn't working, it's failing. And then there was also a hotline that they could call, but it was busy and people were waiting wow. on this hotline for two or three hours and then getting hung up on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine how? How frustrating. And you like, just want to do the right these thing. These are people, exactly. They stepped, like, whether they are on Bernie's team or not, like, they're volunteers and they stepped up to fucking help run this. Like, they believe in democracy. They believe in, like, you know, political involvement. And they basically, like, their time got right. shit yeah. on. Yeah. What a remarkable thing, too, where it's just like they can help protect election security just by doing something as simple as, like, tweeting out the results that they find. No, you can't yeah. do it anymore. It's just like now we have a record that says, Nope, that was wrong. Just like the volunteers who got uh, sent by Bernie, the Bernie campaign and count everything. So. Yeah, and so that is, I mean, obviously we didn't know this was going to happen, but this was one of the big reasons we trained captains for every precinct in addition to helping the Bernie folks was they recorded results at every single caucus. And so even before results went out, we were pretty certain that we knew what things looked like. But it was so frustrating because we couldn't celebrate that and it wasn't official. And even today... 
it's still not official because now it's right. being re-canvassed. And what does that mean? Uh, does that mean you all have to go back, or does that yeah, mean? Yeah, no. When when Tom Perez tweeted that, I'm like, wait, re-canvass? I have to go again? <laughs> like we're doing this again? No. But uh, making new friends again. Yeah, but uh, no. So what it means is, so for the delegate math, they they have a delegate worksheet, and it's like everybody has to sign the worksheet. It's you know, there's really weird rounding rules, blah blah blah. Um, and so they were going through the math on each and every one of those. Um, so one of the things that has been really disappointing, and so, I mean, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you know, like, technically Pete got more delegates than Bernie did, but Bernie won the popular vote. <sighs> that, that's seen many times where they flip the coin. They're like, yeah. okay, so there's more votes here, and, and Pete's down, like, it's, it's you know, like, one to five, and we flip the coin, and oh, now Pete wins. This is where everyone, we should insert the uh, clip of Pete Buttigieg saying that I think that the candidate who gets the most votes should yeah. be the winner. That's, yeah. that's straightforward. Oh, when he came out and just claimed victory. Yeah, he, he claimed victory when 3% was in. And it's just like, <laughs> you've done it, Iowa. You've made history. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to say um, a shout out to the Bernie campaign and the, the Bernie staff for being the smartest, most well-prepared staff out there, for doing an incredible job of mobilizing people, of getting precinct captains, for training people to do the old, like, to take their own tallies because they knew that the DNC was going to do something. Yeah. And shame on the DNC and the Iowa Democratic Party for robbing you of your your deserved victory. You put in so much work. I mean, yeah, the volunteers, like me, we did, we did our thing. But you broke your back for this campaign Y'all did such a great job, and it's it's so disappointing to know that you were you were robbed of that like fulfillment. You know, yeah, no, but I, you I, know what's you great got, though? You were there, like you, you were on the front lines, the vanguard, the first punch. You got edged by the, the <laughs> Iowa Democratic Party. Buttigieg. edge, yeah, Buttig- oh, Buttig- edge. Yes, I love that. Buttig- I, I hate I'm, it actually. I'm, I'm, I hate yeah, it. Yeah, uh, I, I hate it. My fetish is Buttigieging. Is that where you just wear really tight pants and say a bunch of malarkey? Yes. Yeah, but no, I mean, it's one of those things, again, where, like, we have all these wins, and I want to talk about what those wins are, but we fucking, I mean, we were working, like, 75-hour weeks at the end, and, like, we put everything into this campaign. Most of us moved across the country. We quit our jobs, and so, again, like, of course, winning is our top thing, but like we just wanted there to be a conclusion to be yeah. like, this is what we did with our hard work, and here is the result. And like, even still today, like it's up in the air. And so, one of the things that, in addition to the popular vote that we won, one of the things that we are so, so fucking proud of um, is our satellite caucuses that we won. Yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah. So, so what happened is in the, in the past, um, you know, there were satellite caucuses, but what they were is they would normally be at like nursing homes. They have them in Palm Springs, like uh, yeah, for, yeah. for snowbirds that are from Iowa, but then go to the warmer areas like they have a bunch in Arizona, of course. Naturally. Um, so like it was about getting like those moderate to conservative older voters out. Um, but what our campaign did this year that no other campaign did was we requested a satellite location at every community college, every university. And then we also were successful in getting the first two um, Spanish speaking caucus locations uh, in state history ever. 
It's That's awesome. Something. They never had this. Great job. And so um, we also had uh, uh, satellite caucus locations at factories for people that worked the night shift so that they could vote early. Um, so the wow. first caucus results that came in were from a, I think it was like a pork factory sort of situation That's like wild. um and bernie swept it every single person besides one person voted for bernie That's so cool Hell um yeah. so listen to this um there's so much to discuss i think we need to do a part 2 just kind of unfold a bit more of the especially from the vantage point of people who are now looking into this next phase washington state's going to be huge it's an opportunity for people to really make their mark a big rallies coming up with bernie and all kinds of stuff so should we maybe i mean a... i'm pretty close to oh yeah, yeah. a bow Great. on get, it really get, get, so get, what i was just going to say is with the satellite caucuses what's really frustrating so we swept the the latino caucuses we swept the the other uh, uh language speaking caucuses the, the colleges the students all that those are the results that they are looking so finely at now, where Bernie literally got like 97% of the vote. Yeah. Um, they're saying, well, maybe we need to re-examine how many delegates we give out from those locations. Jeez. And so Pete's campaign and, and the Democratic Party are basically saying, fuck you to voters of color, fuck you to, to young voters, yeah. and saying that your voice shouldn't count as much. Yeah, but, this is class warfare, I mean, through and through. I mean, oh, especially it is. when you're attacking yeah. like, working class persons at factories, I mean, university students, these kind of things. I mean, yeah. it's and everybody what they can do they're working they're still yeah. trying to yeah and they use the excuse that like oh like i was so white so like we really shouldn't validate those results because like we need to pay attention to the states with more people of color which like that's legitimate but bernie swept people of color in, in that in those areas he swept young people like and that should fucking be talked about but it's not being talked about um the other win that i want to bring up of course is that like even though we don't know for sure who won the most amount of delegates we do know that joe biden got zero fucking delegates yeah. and so that's some shit suck that finger trash yeah. knows trash yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> um so i'm looking forward to seeing seeing what happens next and so yeah obviously like go to go to the rally coming up not Knock on some doors, make some phone calls. If you're wanting to learn how to get involved here in Washington State, like reach out to me. We have a field office here in Seattle. Check out the website maps.berniesanders.com. So yeah, uh, you uh, email um, uh, corn at betterleft.net. Uh, yeah, or you can just hit me up on twit twit. Oh, the tweetle. Yeah. Just saying, I haven't seen any hot boys for Biden. No, I haven't yet either. <laughs> yeah, oh, Brett Hamill did a pretty nice shot though. That was all. Hey. That was all for Bernie. Yeah, but I just want to give a shout out to some of the people yeah. who really helped. Because yeah, again, like I had one of the biggest regions in the state, thirty nine precincts. We fucking knocked every single precinct, every single door that was on our list, and it's because of all of my volunteers, my out of staters, and my in staters. So. Greg from Seattle Sucks podcast, Justin Roll, Crouton, Carl, Rico, Munya, Roy, Mel. Um, I had some California volunteers. They drove from California. They rented a seven-seater van. And nice. so not only did they like have all their people, but they were willing to take all my other volunteers anywhere I needed them to go to. Um, so Kamir, uh, Matthew, Lior. And also they were Spanish-speaking. And so I would oh, send them into good. my precincts where there were uh, higher Hispanic populations. And we either won or tied in all of those precincts. Hot awesome. damn. And so that, again, like if you have that privilege, if you have that skill, whatever it may be, like use it, please. Yeah, you've we... got something to bring this campaign. Uh, here's something I want to say to you, Corn. Wow. I mean, it, I'm not surprised because 
you're a phenomenal leader of humans. Um, but damn, I'm proud. Thank you. So proud. Thank and the you. other thing too, the the volunteer names you just read, I'm I'm mildly surprised that you read them off the tattoo on your arm. That's yeah, a, that's I did. a commitment. I, no, I have my other arm really quick too. Yeah. yeah. So um, anybody who took a bus to Fort Dodge, because a lot of people went to Des Moines, and that's super rad. But like coming out to rural ass Iowa and helping yeah. us, like so fucking helpful. Um, my off my people on my team, Conrad, when I came on, he had my turf plus his. So he had nine counties in total before I came on. Nine counties. Wow. Like, Jeez, yeah. And then he went down to five counties and I had four. Um, so he laid a lot of the groundwork. And so thanks to him, uh, Will and Ian, my office organizer who helped a bunch, uh, my super volunteers who are local, Jim Bird, Catherine, Alex, Melba, Carol, Carrie, Jean, uh, and then my OG squad of staffers, uh, Melissa, she moved out from Seattle as well. So we lived together. It was super rad. And then we had Eli, Mia, and Elle, uh, Dara, Ash, Luke, uh, Keely. Um, and then also big shout out to Sean Scott, because as you guys know, like a lot of the time I was there, like I couldn't talk to you about a lot of the stuff. Yep, yep. Sean is the state field director here in Washington. And so I spent a lot of hours venting to him, asking him for advice, strategizing, yep, processing, crying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you to Sean. And yeah, like if you're here in Washington, just get out and do the thing. To all the listeners who uh, are as inspired by corn as I am and as I was, don't just be inspired. Go out and do something. Go doc- knock a door. Go make a phone call. Go send a text. Talk to your parents. Yeah. Put on a corn suit. <laughs> yeah. Make it happen. Oh, yeah. Go fight when, y'all. That's what we say on the campaign. Go fucking fight and Go win. post your lewds on Twitter. Hey, you two. <laughs> <laughs> your lewds. Hey, you two. Thank you. Uh, very inspirational. Super energizing. Um, oh, yeah. We'll talk more about this stuff in the future. Always. Uh, we're going to be playing a little audio, right? Are we repping? Are we yes. going into it? Oh, I do want to. Yeah. So Eli, uh, Mia, L, Melissa, and then some other people. So one of the things we did to like have fun and keep ourselves sane was um, we made fucking Bernie covers. Uh, so the song that we started the, the the episode off with and the one we'll be closing out with, um, they are two of our covers. Uh, so shouts out to Eli. He's a Berkeley student and loves to do like artistic sort of organizing. Um, yeah. So I think this episode's better left to. I don't know. You two. Yeah. yeah. Better left to the organizers. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Or as yes. Mr. Rogers would say, you're saving helpers. Us. You're saving everyone. Yeah. yeah. The helpers always look around in times of crisis. You'll find them. Hell yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank Any you, questions? folks. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Come out tonight. I'll bring my friends, you bring yours. We say, Hey, can you help us to victory? We need you to answer the call. Come and caucus with me, and we'll stand with Bernie. He's a leader who stands for us all. Simple.